James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now we'll turn to Psalm 66, starting at verse 1. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land and they passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Bless our God, O peoples, let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. 
we went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. Let's uh, come before the Lord again in prayer, shall we? Father, we pause again, humbly, just uh, desiring to come before you in the right way. Lord, you are the one that breaks spirits, hearts. You are the one that opens eyes and ears to hear and see you. And so, Lord, I pray this morning again, as we come to your word, you would indeed break our hearts and our spirits in the right sense to come to know you, to recognize your sovereignty, the beauty and the majesty of your son, and to empower us, to exhort us, Lord, to indeed to encourage us to continue in the faith for your sake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Chapel Street. It's really nice to be back. I know I was back last week, but it's nice to see you all from the front, at least. Um, I want to thank you so much. Oh, I should say good morning to those online and any listening on the podcast later. I do want to thank you so much for praying for me in my trip overseas to see my mother and praying for her. Um, I felt prayed for, if that makes sense. I felt continually connected to Chapel Street. I was able to tune into a couple of uh, the messages um, uh, from a long way away. But thank you for praying for me. Um, it's an extraordinary trip. I won't go into it all now, but I had some genuine, uh, fabulous opportunities, really, to share the gospel with mum. I kind of pity her in a way, having me as a son. It's pretty clear I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Sometimes um, sharing that with your own family can be very difficult. But she did come to a point where she believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Astonishing. She did come to a point where she believed he really existed and that he died and that he was raised from the dead. Staggering. And yet, didn't want to trust him. Didn't want to believe in him and so we continue to pray that god would indeed open her eyes as it were all the way that she might behold who he really is and turn in fear well 
2023 is here, isn't it? <laughs> it's been here for a few weeks. Uh, I think this is the first message from us, from the, from the guys in 2023. Uh, we've enjoyed having Vody Bockham and John MacArthur here, uh, not in person, of course, but uh, certainly electronically. Um, but I thought given that this was the first message of 2023, it might be good to consider the year ahead, the new year. Um, 2022 is past, and there's a sense, isn't there, where we can shut the door on that year. I don't know about you, but I certainly felt suffering in 2022. I know some of you did, if not all. It was a hard year. There were deaths. There was sorrow. For some, there was exhaustion. For others, there was persecution. Strife, even in the church. For some, there's money difficulties. For some, there were job troubles. For some, there were troubles with jobs that they didn't have and needed. There was ill health, both physically and mentally. It's a year that you do want to shut the door on, would you say? There are good things in it. I don't want to completely um, depress you. But years like that are hard. And here we are in a new year. And when new years come, I think there's always a kind of hopeful expectation with them. It's Alexander Pope who said, hope springs eternal in the breast of man. When new things happen, we get hope. We look forward with anticipation of good things. Of course, that's a good thing. There's a sort of reset button that we can press. People go to gyms. I haven't done that yet, but it might be a good idea. Apparently, it's the busiest time of year. New Year's resolutions coming. Today, this year. I'm going to be different. Things are going to be better and so on. But the reality is 2023 will also be full of strivings, of suffering, trials. It will be full of them, some great and some small. We have to bite that bullet hard and recognize that will happen. Monday morning, um, as is our custom, Sandy and I are reading the, the word together and uh, trying to dig into it and understand things from it and praying. And my prayer on, on Monday morning was, Lord, can I please have a year without so many crises? Now, I don't think that's a bad thing to pray for, to be honest, but please, would this year be a year where I have no more crises or at least fewer of them? Pray for you in the same way. And I prayed for Barry that he would, in his humiliation, at his age and stage and all that has happened to him, turn to Christ. Less than 10 minutes passed, we had the phone call that Barry had just passed away and we were to go down to the nursing home. We do not know, do we? We do not know when or what but we do know that there is a silver line i love that hymn i never heard it before but i loved it there is a silver lining christ 
is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And so we need to address the new year in the right framework, the right frame of mind. And my desire today, my exhortation today is to encourage you to persevere in the faith, in Christ, in church, in a fellowship, because trials will come and we don't know what they'll be necessarily and we don't know when they will come. Yes, have a hopeful expectation, perhaps hopeful that Christ will return. I hope he does. But be honest and real about trials. So I want to encourage you. I don't want this to be a uh, deeply depressing message. Uh, that wouldn't be good necessarily. I want us to consider how we move forward in 2023 and work to persevere. We're taking a very brief break from Hebrews in, in my uh, series. As you can see, we're going to be in James. We're just going to look at um, the first, sorry, we're going to look at verses two through four. I wanted to get the whole reading because I wanted to hear more around how those sections are all connected. Um, but we're going to focus in on just those three verses. Um, James is a really hard book, don't you think? It's a really hard book. Uh, first Timothy, uh, sorry, First John for me is the same. It's really hard. And the reason is those books demand something of you by the way you walk. James tells us that we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers. It's, it's actually quite easy to hear. Hopefully you're all hearing. And I'm hearing, but are we going to be a doer? Are we going to apply the things that we hear to our lives? And I want to say that if this year is also going to have trials and suffering, we need to learn to be doers, don't we? We need to learn how to apply these things to our lives. And so it's a hard book. And this one, I think, is this passage is no exception. He asks us to count it all joy whenever we meet trials of various kinds. That's hard, isn't it? That's a, that's a tough concept. Count it as joy. Trials are coming. Count it as joy. It's hard, James. Why, why do you write it this way? But I'm hoping it'll encourage us. Because these verses put trials and suffering in the right place, in the right context for us as Christians. Let's just read them again. I'll read them out loud. If you follow along in your Bibles, please open your Bibles. If you didn't bring your Bibles, please bring them next week. You need to have the word of God in front of you and follow along and catch what I'm saying in case I'm wrong. So James writes, verse 2, chapter 1, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. This text is for you. <laughs> Not just the ancient world, it's for you, it's for me, it's for now, it's for 2023. And it's saying that if we want to count things as joy, the trials that come as joy, then we need to do something. This is why it's hard. 
when suffering comes? What does the world make of suffering? Well, the world considers suffering the worst thing that can come. It will do anything it can to avoid suffering. Each individual, perhaps that doesn't know Christ, considers suffering as a bad thing. Maybe some of us consider that too, and I hope that our minds might be slightly changed. But the world expends energy and money and time and experience to avoid suffering in order that it can get joy. That's the point. If you want joy, you need to get rid of suffering. That's what the world is saying. If you want to be happy, have a joyful life, then you need to remove all of this suffering in your life. But here the Bible says the opposite, doesn't it? In the midst of your suffering, count it as joy. In Christian life, somehow, trials and suffering can be counted as all joy. What is James talking about? I want to paraphrase this text to try and lock it together in its structure. If you were here today, or at least this is my version, I think you might say it like this. Listen, Christian, in 2023, you are going to meet trials that are designed to test your faith. But don't forget, the result will be perseverance, which also will result in being sanctified or made holy and saved. So whatever you are in, whatever trial you are in as a Christian, count it as joy. That's the argument. That's the way the argument works. And I think that's um, important that we understand the way the argument works. Now, I've just got a few things. I didn't actually take a note of how many there are. Four. Uh, to pull out from this text. Just very simply, simple little things. And then I want us to dive into two areas in a little bit more detail as I bring some exhortation to us. The first thing that we can note, and I've already said about 30 times, is that you will encounter trials of various kinds. You will. It's not a maybe. It's not a might be. not a could be. You will. Trials are going to come. All those that desire to lead a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer, shall suffer. It's going to come. The Apostle Peter, in exhorting the saints to resist the devil, says, stay firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Suffering is common to all Christians. It's common to the world. The nature of the world is fallen, and so suffering exists. I remember when I first at least thought I'd become a Christian, I was anticipating an easier life. Um, that happened for a little while, what you might call a honeymoon period, but it didn't last forever. Becoming a Christian doesn't remove suffering. It's a real thing. In fact, some would argue it gets worse for a period while we're here. Mental suffering, physical, emotional, persecution of different kinds, illness, depression, anxiety, exhaustion, attacks of one kind or another, 
It's that fallen world that we live in. We can't uh, avoid it. We can't get out of it at this stage. And it hurts, doesn't it? Would you agree? It hurts. It's real. It's not a fake thing. So don't be surprised, says the text. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes. Not if it comes, when it comes. Don't be surprised by it. Because it comes to test you, says First Peter again. Don't be surprised about it as if something strange were happening to you. Expect it. It's going to happen. You will encounter trials of various kinds. And I don't understand it. I don't understand the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. I don't understand why that church isn't emptying rapidly. Because the premise behind that kind of gospel, which we know is a false gospel, is if you come to Jesus, you will be rich, you will be healthy, you will be happy, all your problems will go away. That isn't true. And yet people seem to cleave to that lie. You will encounter trials of various kinds. The second point I want us to notice is simply this, verse 3. The trials will test your faith. I'll inflect that word. The trials will test your faith. Verse 3, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So there are trials. They're going to test your faith. Well, why? Why does my faith need testing, Lord? Can't you test someone else's faith? Mine's okay. Well, one reason for God testing your faith is to see if you have any. Isn't that right? Because what happens when your faith's tested? Either get stronger or you fall away. And find that you don't have any. And we'll look at that in more detail in a minute. Yes, to see if we have any. Yes, to make it stronger. To see if our faith is genuine. Peter again says in First Peter, you will be tested, if necessary, by various trials to see if your faith is genuine. That's paraphrasing. Genuine faith, real faith. Will you hold on? Will you persevere? Will you cleave? to Christ. The word for test in the Greek means to prove, to, to make sure that something is genuine. That's what it means, like the way that you test metal. Metal is tested by fire. Peter uses that analogy again. Silver is tested by fire to see if it's silver, to see if it's strong. Christ is tested in the same way, by the way. So our testing and our proving demonstrates the quality if you will of our faith and i'm not saying that you need to have this kind of strong faith yourself that you generate from some kind of inner um, desire to be super christian or super faithful we do need to be super faithful but the testing of our faith will expose where we're at and should make us in one sense weaker should make us capitulate, give in to Christ more. Not super strong. Third point is that the testing of your faith will produce steadfastness. Did you see that in the text? The outcome of this testing is steadfastness. 
I find that astonishing. <laughs> the the other uh, meaning or uh, translation of the word steadfast, it's it's the same word for endurance, for perseverance, for long suffering, right? long testing, right? You get the idea. The testing of your faith will produce perseverance. And it should do the opposite, shouldn't it? It really should. It should be, I mean, that's, that's sadly, that's the thing that happens in the world when people are tested by trials that don't have Christ. They eventually buckle. We've recently heard of a, I'll say it carefully, a prime minister who, because of the stress of the job, has given up. And, you know, I can understand that to some degree. Testing, if you don't have Christ, brings buckling. And yet, if you do have Christ, Oddly, it brings perseverance. It brings this ability to withstand and to continue and to keep going. Perseverance of Christians should be shocking to non-Christians. It should be. Why do you carry on? God did that to you? Your God? I know people that have lost their entire family, like Job, and yet love Christ so much. They continue in faith and persevere. To the world, that's illogical. Why, why would you do that? Your God's really been hard on you. But it should produce perseverance. In reality, it should kill our faith, but it's the very thing again that grows our faith. It's good, isn't it, to find out that you're not a goat. Praise God for trials in that context. It's good to know you're not a goat. It's good to know that your faith is genuine. You're a member of the um, flock of Christ, the shepherd. You remember you're a sheep, not a goat. It's good to know that. It's also good to know that you are a goat if you are one, because you don't want to continue in the faith if you don't have faith. And trials bring that as well. They, they kind of separate the way. Persevere, endure, long-suffering. I love the word steadfast because it just, it's got that image of being immovable and carrying on no matter what the storm is that's coming. Just carry on. You might be on the floor. <laughs> you might be crying out in pain, but you carry on. You carry on. And the last point I want us just to draw out of this text this morning before we dive a little bit deeper is simply this. You will be sanctified. You will be sanctified. Did you see it in verse 4? Let steadfastness, you've got this trial that's testing your faith and producing perseverance. And then he says, let steadfastness have its full effect. Steadfastness is meant to do something. Perseverance is meant to make something happen. And what's the full effect? He says, well, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing wow i'll have some of that would you have some, would you like to be perfect complete lacking in nothing that's a game by the way where the health wealth and prosperity gospel goes they go you can have that now but of course that's a future reality why am i talking about sanctification then well because sanctification is the process that god is using to change us and get us to that point and ultimately we don't get there christ deals with it when we die anybody here perfect i said that once and one chap actually did put his hand up we're not perfect anybody complete in the in the absolute perfection set, sense no 
Anybody lacking nothing? No. But it's coming. It's growing. You're being sanctified. How do I know that? Because you're suffering. Because you're persevering. That steadfastness is making something happen. There's an outcome to the testing. It's not um, pointless. There's a reason for it. It's got a goal and objective. That you're going to be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. And we call that sanctification. And it leads, the end of the road, to perfection, completeness, lacking in nothing. We might also call that salvation. Salvation. Continuing in the faith. What's the verse in Hebrews? God has perfected for all time those that are being sanctified. He's perfected. It's going to happen. You're going to be complete. You're going to be perfect. You're going to lack nothing. It's a certainty because of his character, and he will do it. It's absolute. Yet you are being sanctified. He's perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And that sanctification comes through suffering and persevering. I want to just draw an important distinction just for clarity between the word justification and the word sanctification. Sometimes these get confused. Justification refers to the change that happens in you by God when you come to Christ. When you come to Christ, when you beg for mercy and ask him, as it were, to be your Lord, to start to follow him and desire to know him and uh, to change your ways, to repent. When that happens, you're born again. It's an instantaneous thing. And you are declared right with God. And that's what justification means. Now, I know some people say, well, I don't remember when I became a Christian. It just happened. That's okay. As long as it happened. But it didn't happen by process. <laughs> it happened by an event. The event was that Christ opened your eyes to see who he really is and you turned and you were saved. And at that moment, the word says you were regenerated. Regenesis, new genesis, new creation. Can you hear all these words from the Bible? You're made new. And that's uh, justification. You're declared right with God. But sanctification is this process that goes on from the cross when you become a Christian because you contextualize suffering within the idea that God is making you holy and perfect. He's going to present you that way. Do you know, that's how he's going to present you. And so don't confuse those. One of the big problems with the um, historical kind of evangelistic, let Jesus into your heart, pray the sinner's prayer idea, is that that's all you need to do. But you don't need to see any sanctification. You don't need to see any sign of growth. That's a massive problem. That is not what the Bible talks about. Peter explains very clearly in Second Peter uh, chapter 1 how you get saved by knowing Christ from the oracles of God, the word of God, and there should be something happening. You should be able to add virtue, brotherly kindness, brotherly love, and so on and so on and so on. Big list. And then he says, if these things are yours and they are increasing, they'll keep you from being ineffective. It's not enough just to say I'm saved because I 
pray to prayer. We want to see growth. And growth comes through sanctification, through perseverance in trials. The process hurts. The testing of faith hurts. Have you ever lost your faith or thought you lost your faith? Are there any days that come when you really doubt? There are for me. Be honest with yourselves. There are for me. There are days when I think, is this real? This is so hard. Why is this going on, Lord? Are you there? Of course, he is. And so he changes the way I think about that through his word. Yes, I'm here. Yes, I love you. The promises of God, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm here. I ordained this for you. What? You ordained the suffering that I'm in? Yes, I did. You know why? Because I want you to be like me. Because I want you to walk through the process of sanctification. It hurts. So you will encounter the trials. You will. The trials will test your faith. The testing of your faith will produce steadfastness. And you will be sanctified and saved. You persevere. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe this? Do you believe it? Do you know it's true? Do you know it? Because that's the pivot in this text that binds it together. If you want to consider it all joy, then you need to know this is true. Just have a look at the text with me again. Back to verse 2, James chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Listen, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. You know this. That's what James is saying. You know that these trials will work something out. So count them all joy. What is it that we know to be true about all of this? That Christ did die for us. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. Therefore, we can persevere. Therefore, we can go on. We can trust his word, trust his promises. We can know that he really loves us in the dark times. And we know that he died for us. Can there be anything greater than that? But God, God, become a man and die for me. Think of that yourself. He died for you. You want to know something else? Jesus encountered trials of every kind didn't he every kind jesus's faith in the father was tested he was tempted but jesus persevered to the end he kept the faith he was tested he was perfected his metal was proved this is hebrews and it says it was proved and tested through suffering couldn't be more explicit you know what else he considered the joy didn't he 
That's what he considered. In all of this suffering, in all of this persecution, in all of this testing, in all of these trials, he considered the joy that was set before him. Enduring the cross, it says. Despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on the high. And guess what? He lives in you. Do you believe in Christ? He lives in you. And so you can persevere amen you can persevere it's no wonder is it that he asks us to do the same uh, you know if i was to come up with a schema right the world the cosmos if i was creator i don't know if i'd have used this model to sanctify people but when you think about it what else is going to sanctify us sitting in the cozy armchair of life saying i'm safe i'm a christian i don't need to do anything it's all good. It's not going to change me at all, is it? It's going to be the same stubborn fool that I was at the beginning. But he gives us the power and the suffering comes. Now, as we close, I just want to consider two things in a little bit more detail because sometimes we talk about these concepts and uh, we don't necessarily tell one another or explore how they work because there's a part we need to play in this. When people come up and they stand here and they open the word and they preach to us, sometimes we just receive and we say, this is great. I like this message. It, it, it's true. It resonates with what I know in the Bible. But we don't learn how to do something with it. And James is a doer. He wants us to be a doer. So we better pay attention. So I want to encourage you with two things as we close to deal a little bit deeper. One is... I want to encourage you with how sanctification works and your part in that. How does it work? What part do I have to play? Yes, Sam, I've just heard you say that um, being uh, steadfast under trial will produce an effect because my faith is being tested. But how does it work? What do I have to do inside that? And secondly, I want to encourage you by explaining how to count all things joy when you suffer. Sorry, how to count things all joy. I get it around the right way when you suffer. Let's look at the first one encourage, to encourage you um, with how sanctification works and your part in it. I want you to ex exhort you to think this way for 2023. Trials are going to come. We've already said that. I want you to know that trials come in two basic forms. And you might think this is a little odd, but just stick with me. There are two basic forms. They all fall into two categories, the trials. One is the trials that we have because we lose the thing we want. That's what we call idols. But that's a real trial. They come in the form of losing something that we want, something that we want to keep and hold on to. When it's taken away from us, it's a trial. We can think of very basic ways of looking at this. When you take something away from a child that they really want, what do they do? Yeah, they cry, they scream. What are you doing? Give me the toy back. Give me the lolly back. That's one form of trial, and that might be losing a job. It might be losing your independence, your freedom to do whatever you want in life. Even losing friendships or comfort or money, being well thought of by your peers and your loved ones, losing your loved ones. Anybody want their loved ones to die? No. 
Well, hang on to those things. For some of us, it's material things in the world. Turning on to the toys and the, the cars and the houses and wanting the comfort they bring. And when we lose them, we experience suffering because that's what we want. And the second form that suffering comes in and these trials come in is the form of gaining something that we don't want. So the first one is losing something we do want and the second one is gaining something we don't want. And they're the ones we see more readily and more obviously in life. Sickness. Sickness. None of us want COVID. None of us want the flu or cancer or, or anything that is an ailment. Death. In others, some of us don't want death in ourselves. I actually long for it sometimes, right? I long to be with Christ. Do you? Or do we love our lives more? Anxiety, depression, for some, things like same-sex attraction, poverty. As Christians, we're persecuted in other countries much more than we are, although I think things are coming for us here. We can see a coming storm in the persecution that we face as Christians because of uh, what we believe, contravening what people want. In other countries, people are losing their lives because of it. Even for some, the idea of continuing in sin is a terrible trial to battle. And that can really weigh heavy on people. So when these trials come, the question is, what choice, what answer will I give to the choice that comes with them? There's only two choices either you can turn away from god or you can turn to god this is where sanctification this is the the engine room now of sanctification what am i going to do with this suffering james exhorts me to hold fast and persevere and recognize that my faith is being um, grown and challenged and tested am i going to turn away in hurt in anger i've seen people do that I don't like you, God, because you did this to me. I've heard that a lot. You've probably heard that from people. I don't like you. You let this happen to me. I don't like that kind of God. And people can turn away. Seeking comfort and relief from the trials, from the things in the world. Or I can turn to God. And this is the bit I want to encourage you to do this year. Turn to God when the trials come. Confession. Just like the psalmist. Tell God how you feel. Jesus did. Didn't he? My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And that's a, it's called the cry of derelict. He's crying to the Father. <laughs> I feel good right now. Confess. Confess your sin. Confess your idols. This is the engine room, folks. Ask him and listen, the church for health. Suffering exists in a community. right? And if anyone here is feeling like they're suffering alone, then you need to talk to someone here. We're here to love. Aren't you? I feel so much love from this church. It's such a joy to me to be in Britain talking to other Christians and telling them what we're like. 
as a church because of the way we know each other and love each other and and support each other and i encourage you to do that more but don't suffer in silence don't suffer on your own not thinking anyone cares we're the body of christ it's in a community ask him for help believe in his word do you believe this do you believe this jesus is calling us in that question all the time believe in his word trust in his promises connect with him in prayer you know confession time you know it's a britain the first thing that uh, started to wane in my walk was prayer i've got time for that too busy got to get this flight little pocket prayers thrown up here and there lord help me with this you know the divine waiter kind of idea you know oh, lord please uh, i need uh, i need this to happen oh, thanks that's great my, my prayer life just kind of imploded it, it fortunately god brought it back together you know he brought it back together in the last week i was in britain i had the flu i was in bed for three days i couldn't move i thought i was dying he got my attention trials came my prayer life changed pray connect with him in prayer let it grow and just wait for a trial walk with him every day talk with him every day and lastly be steadfast in your faith be steadfast in your faith if you do all these things and as peter says if they're increasing you love the brothers of the church then you will be changed you will be in the engine room of sanctification where you're less like sam or less like bruce or dorothy or less like warren moving by process of sanctification to be more like who jesus christ amen so do you want to be like you that's the problem with us we do want to be like us but really we should want to be like him no wonder suffering comes no wonder trials come and lastly how in the midst of all of that will you count it all joy how will you do it i want to just be very clear or explain this that the apostle here isn't saying you will feel joy you might the bible says that you can feel joy in immense suffering he does and the apostle paul who talks about being sorrowful but always rejoicing being in joy right they're a heady mix though it's a cocktail of massive concepts there be sorrowful and joyful so it can happen but he's not necessarily saying it will he's saying consider it joy when the suffering comes think of it as joy it might not feel like it think of it as, how is it possible to do that well you can only do that if you take the long view if you focus on the thing that's happening and hurting and suffering and trial trialing is that right yeah you think on that and you focus on that you'll miss the point of it but if you know what is to come that's what james is saying count it all joy because you know then you'll take a long view this is working out for my good all things work together for good for those who are called and love god according to his purpose all things work together for according to it's his plan it's his vision if you will so take the long view in suffering whatever's coming this year 2023 take the long view how 
by keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. Looking to Jesus, says the text, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. <laughs> That's why he allows this to happen. Sam needs this suffering. If, if his faith is going to grow and he's going to learn how to persevere and he's going to be transformed, he needs this. Jesus is the author and suffering of my faith, no matter what is happening. And sometimes we, we say it, God is sovereign. He, he allows all these things to happen. But when something hard comes, say, well, that's not of God, that's of the devil. God is above the devil. God is above all of that. Look to Jesus. He's the author. He's the, and I love it. There's, there's two interpretations of the word. Finisher of your faith is one. And the other one is perfecter of your faith. Either way, I'm happy with either, right? Finish my faith, Lord. Help me to run the race. Help me to stay steadfast, immovable, no matter what happens to me in this year, in this day. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Run the race that is set before you with endurance, is the word. Persevere, run, run, keep going. You're nearly there. Remembering the promises, I'll never leave you. I've run that race. Follow me, keep coming. Sometimes I, in my mind's eye, you know, that passage is about the cloud of witnesses. It, it, it takes the image of uh, all the Old Testament saints and as it were, it puts them in the stands in the great um, um, Olympiad uh, track for running. And they're all there, the men and women of faith, and they're going, come on, keep going. It's worth it. Look at the long game. And at the end of the race, who's there? Jesus, come on, come on. I, I, I put this race in front of you. Keep coming. Come on. Remember the promises. I'll never leave you. And most of all, in the midst of all the suffering, remember the gospel. Remember the gospel. Christ did die for your sins. He was buried. He was raised again from the dead. He's coming back. Do you believe it? Because that's how you're going to count it, joy. All joy. Whatever's happening to you. Remember the gospel. Remember who you were. Before you knew Christ, dead in your transgressions and sins, remember who you are now in him, alive forevermore, because he's alive forevermore. The long game says it's okay. You're going to get there. You're going to be perfected. You're going to be complete. You're going to be with God because you're justified, and now you're fully sanctified. Amen? I, I get so excited about that. I want it to happen today. But no, there's a slow process with a, I'm a hard learner. I'm a slow learner. I don't know about you. Some of you I know a bit quicker than me, a lot quicker in some cases, but I'm a slow learner. Lord needs to uh, rebuke me and discipline me and bring suffering over and over again. And I count that as joy today. I'll leave you with this verse to take into 2023 because you don't know what's coming. But it'll come. I want you to just maybe just close your eyes as I read this and I pray to conclude and soak it in. It's the Apostle Paul. From memory, this is Colossians. I can't recall it exactly. 
Apostle Paul says, you, you, Chapel Street, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, Christ has now reconciled, made peace with God in his body of flesh, by his death, in order to present you holy, blameless, above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Count it all joy for 2023. Amen? Let's pray. Father, sometimes I feel, Lord, that your gospel is too amazing even for words, and yet you have spelt it out, sent your son, has come into the world, found in appearance as a man, <coughs> died the death that only he could die because he was sinless, pure, holy, blameless, in accordance with the law judged by you for our sins. And Lord, that reality that he did that and he also lives and he reigns and he's coming again is the long view. And Father, I pray that as we have listened to this uh, message today, you would encourage, exhort, cause us to consider the long game you teach it teach us what it is to not complain about striving and 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 the the fiery trials that you will bring but to count them as joy to deem them as joy father please help us in this year to work and walk in a way that is genuinely sanctifying Please help us, Lord, to know what it really is to persevere and help us, Lord, as a body to maybe challenge, but certainly, Lord, to encourage one another all the more to love and good deeds, all the more as we see the day approaching. In Jesus' name, amen.